0: Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? Ayo, Bo knows this, And Bo knows that, But Bo do Jack. Cause Bo can't rap.
1: Well, what do you know? The- he knows everything that Bo doesn't know. There's so much in my head. And just like the Tribe, he breaks down all the Chiefs scenarios.
2: This is such a great question, Josh, because I Thank haven't you. been able to watch a single <laughs> ounce of tape about the
1: Lions. He's our Chiefs insider from The Athletic, the one and only Nate Taylor. Nate
3: dropping by today. Nate, I think this is going to be, I, I'm interested to see the defensive battle on this one, two really good defenses going at it. I know you got a piece coming out about uh, Steve Spagnolo, who has been just probably not talked about enough around the rest of the, the NFL, another on display last week where they give up seven in the second half. I don't know if anybody uh, finds those fine tuning adjustments better than Steve Spagnolo.
2: No, it, it's a, it's a great point, Josh. And, and it's, largely what I wrote about, the fact that, um, you know, the Chiefs are magnificent, honestly, in the second half of games this season, particularly on defense. Um, and look, it, it's it's not just the adjustments. Um, it's the fact that, like, they're willing to do things that um, most teams wouldn't do, right? I mean, Justin Reed uh, told us yesterday, and he told me in the locker room after the after their victory on Sunday, that, look, you know, uh, all right, this isn't working, scrap it. Uh, Hey, we haven't practiced this, and God knows when. We're doing it. (laughs) And we're doing it with the season on the line against Josh Allen um, and obviously a talented Bills offense who had, um, you know, done a pretty good job at controlling the tempo. I, I think one of the more impressive things is they only give up seven points in the second half, yet they played almost 80 snaps of playoff football on the road with that level of physicality um, that's required. So it's going to be a tough challenge going from, uh, as Steve Spagnuolo told me after the game, one headache in Josh Allen to another in Lamar Jackson. But uh, this has been his most magnificent coaching job since he's been a part of the team uh, you know, since 2019. And you look at any statistical measure and you're like, this team is – This unit, I should say, is the whole instead of the parts, right? Uh, They have very talented players, but they all elevate one another uh, just because they have a collective intelligence, and they are just very assignment sound and are willing to adjust, basically, when Spagnuolo is willing to adjust. And Spagnuolo understands that he has the players who are versatile enough to adjust in a way that most defenses don't. Uh, especially this time of the year when there's so much tape and obviously your tendencies are your tendencies. So it'll be fun to watch how this defense goes up against Lamar Jackson and a very talented Baltimore Ravens offense. But you kind of have to have faith in Spagnolo just because he's done it consistently over the course of you know, being one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL.
1: Well, I'm gonna, I gonna—I was going to ask you kind of a follow-up to that, and I don't know if there's any metric or way to really judge. I think it is based all on opinion, but is he the best defensive coordinator in NFL history?
2: There's an argument to be made, right? Yeah. I mean, if... I <laughs> mean, people, remember <laughs>
1: what he did with the Giants. I mean, he shut down Tom Brady in the
2: Super Bowl, you know? Right, and they were undefeated with a right. prolific offense. So... You know, um, in 2019, I always like to remind myself this, and and it's going to be in the piece as well, but Steve Fagnolo is still the only coach in NFL history, guys, who has been a defensive coordinator for multiple Super Bowl championship teams from two different franchises. So um, that's how sort of remarkable and consistent he is, and yet you kind of know that he's going to blitz. You know he's going to uh, do some things that are a little bit wacky, Uh, are that you know it's unconventional and he's going to have guys rotate to different positions I mean whether it's Chamari Connor playing you know four different positions whether it's Chris Jones saying okay I haven't really gotten the pressure I want from the interior cool when the season's literally on the line I'm going to go to defensive end and just bull rush the hell you know Dawkins into Josh Allen um, you know to force pressure to force an inaccurate throw um, you know to help us win the game so you know, one of the things that I don't think has been talked about enough, and obviously, you know, I've had the time over the last two days to write about it, is they put all of their resources in this defense the last two years. Think about that. They have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and Isaiah Pacheco, and it's great that they found Rasheed Rice, but most of their money, most of their draft picks, most of their decision making has been to help Steve Spagnolo. And that unit has rewarded the team to where they can be in this position to once again go back to the Super Bowl. Not because of their offense, but largely because of their defense.
1: And, 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 Nate, that's all a tribute to Brett Veach and the scouting department as well because it's one thing to put all your resources on one side of the ball, but it's also another thing to hit on all your damn resources on that side of the yeah. ball too, you know? Yeah.
2: I mean, it's crazy. Like, hey, Jalen Watson's out there. You know what we should do for the Buffalo Bills? Test them downfield. Incompletion. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, you know, our quarterback throw throw 65 yards in the air on a dime in windy conditions. Justin Reed's right there. Hmm. Okay. Hey, their number two safety, uh, Mike Edwards, who played great against the Miami Dolphins. Well, he's got a concussion. We could try to test the middle of the field. We didn't complete a pass over 20 yards because Jamari Connor was locking dudes down. And he was a fourth round, you know, safety in this year's draft class. And... I got to tell you guys, Dave Merritt was right. I mean, he told us a couple weeks ago, and this is also in the piece as well, like Jamari Connor was not good in OTAs, but little by little he's improved. Um, he's learned the system. He's versatile, just like everybody else. And so uh, you can obviously talk about luxurious need and Chris Jones and Trent McDuffie, but it's all these other guys who are just sort of plug and play. And Hey, if we need to change something, they're comfortable within themselves to not only understand all the complex, you know, game plan stuff that Spagnola has for a specific opponent, but they're they're obviously like sort of invigorated by the idea that like, okay, we want to do something different. We're gonna mess with the with the offense now. We're gonna sort of dictate things because, you know, all of a sudden I was doing this in the second quarter and now I'm doing this in the fourth quarter. Um, again, it's it's sorta of brilliant, but I, I just it's hard to explain to, uh, and hopefully I'm doing a decent job, but it, you know it's hard to explain how difficult that is when it's like, hey, that guy over there, he could run for fifty or he could pass it for fifty, um, and he did neither mm-hmm. in the AFC divisional round at home when they were the team that was favored to win. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's brilliant coaching and it's players who have uh, grown a level of love and trust for Spagnuolo um, that makes team sports, you know what it's all about is, is is coming together and actually having teamwork to have a greater cause
3: than what an individual can just do on their own. It's really amazing. The depth they put together as well. You mentioned not only the draft picks, but you mentioned Mike Edwards, like where would they be if they didn't sign Mike Edwards and where would they be if they hadn't signed drew tranquil and just all those like pieces. It's just so many guys, I don't know, 20 deep or something on defense. (laughs) I mean, seemingly they've contributed this season.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, Tershawn Morton came back from an ACL and has been a very serviceable player, right? They uh, re-signed Mike Pinnell, you know, for the practice squad with the sole purpose of, hey, you're going to help us in the run game when the run statistics actually matter in January. Um, you know, Drew Tranquil has been reliable. Um, and, you know, he's sort of having this sort of renaissance moment in his career because he's never made it this far. And so if Nick Bolton's, you know, being affected in the run game, um, they have countered with saying, "Hey, if, if we don't have Willie Gay because of his neck, you know, his neck injury, we just plug in Drew Tranquil." And again, guys, one of the most hilarious details. I know it worked, but it didn't work. And the play result is Willie Gay was supposed to be their defender spying Josh Allen. It's unfortunate his neck injury sort of aggravated him again, and he had to, you know, he had to miss the remainder of the game. This is like middle of the second quarter. Steve Spagnuolo comes to Leo Chennault at halftime and says, hey, man, when they're in the red zone, you're going to spy Josh Allen. Leo Chanal And he did a good job because he stopped Josh Allen from scrambling to his left. problem is through do a missile of a perfect throw to, you know, Shakir in the corner of the end zone against LeJarrius Snead. But the point is, Steve Spagnolo was willing to do it. And Leo Chanal was like, Cool. I'll do it even though I'm nowhere near the athleticism of Willie Gay. So, um, all these little things that, you know, have a cumulative effect on the opposing offense. I cannot stress enough. They turn Josh Allen to like a high school quarterback, which is hey man, check it down, throw it behind the line of scrimmage, don't make a mistake, we'll take our occasional shots. dang, those don't those don't work. Hey, we're gonna try to run the ball and just keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. All of a sudden, We're going three and out, three and out. Now we're, now we're forcing fake punts, which I don't understand, but Hey, you know, all of a sudden we can't, we can't figure out what the chiefs defense is doing. And okay. Now our season's on the line. Chris Jones forces a fumble. We don't, you know, the chiefs don't get it. Hey, okay. We're going to get to midfield. All right. uh, Let's take another shot. Doesn't work. All right. We're going to get close to the red zone. Actually, you're not going to get to the red zone. And all of a sudden with your season on the line, you're going to ask a kicker in windy conditions to attempt a 44 yard field goal. So, All of a sudden, much of the pressure went from the Bills offense sort of leaning on the Chiefs to all of a sudden, the Chiefs' defense making a ton of adjustments, and the Bills not having an answer in the fourth quarter.
1: Nate Taylor with us here on Six Ten Sports Radio from the Athletic. I don't know what Isaiah Pacheco was talking about yesterday when he was like, "I'm not a goblin or anything like that. I don't bite people when I run, and you know all of that kind of stuff." But I mean, this guy, a seventh round draft pick, man, he he's and I know hyperbolic Bob here a little bit, but. I mean other than Brock Purdy, find me a better seventh round draft pick right now, you know, not just in recent n f l history but maybe ever i mean this guy's been a
2: superstar for this team um and he's and he's and he's starting to learn how to manage his body guys it's it's wild uh you know he had shoulder surgery in December right basically a month ago um and he's come back and he's played his best football so One of the things that I think is most hilarious in all of this is he says, I'm not a zombie, uh, which I'm like, great, good to know. Uh, But, you know, I understand why people say he runs like he bites people. I mean, he's not afraid to initiate contact. And this is a statistic that uh, Kay Adams put out yesterday, which I didn't know, fellas. Um, With him playing on Sunday, he's basically assured to be the all-time leading rusher for the Chiefs in postseason history. Uh, he's, he's only played five postseason games. Uh, it tells you how precious uh, postseason wins are, but it does also tell you, too, that when he's played in these games, he's been ultra effective. And when everybody talks about, like, hey, like let's simplify the offense, the easiest way to simplify the offense is to hand the ball to the running back who's going to not go down on first contact. That has always been his most um, valuable skill beyond not fumbling the football, too. Uh, So he's a guy that loves contact. He needs multiple people to bring him down. He usually falls forward, not backwards, and he doesn't fumble. Um, So, I mean, I guess you give credit to Matt Nagy and Andy Reid for figuring this out after essentially 17 games, but they've at least figured it out to where they said, hey, man, you're going to get 25 carries against the Miami Dolphins in sub-freezing temperature and you're going to help us move the football consistently. And fellas, I I tweeted about this on Sunday with Isaiah Pacheco in the backfield and Patrick Mahomes being pretty excellent with his own accuracy. They were averaging nine yards of play through the first three quarters of that football game before things got a little wonky. So um, when they get in the red zone, they should rely on Pacheco more, um, but he can close games down like we saw, you know, late in the fourth quarter against the Bills. And, he's averaging close to five yards a carry in the postseason when things are supposed to be more difficult. So the ultimate test, of course, is the Ravens. They are the defense that has given up the fewest points per game this season. Uh, the Chiefs are second, of course. Um, but if you want to maintain balance, if you want to beat a team physically that tries to do it to its opponents, the easiest button the Chiefs have is pushing Pacheco over and over and over again. And so in Sunday's game, not just to limit um, – you know, their own negative plays. But I do think there's a chance for him to wear down the Ravens defense just as much as the Ravens try to wear down opposing defenses with their running attack.
1: When we talk on Sunday afternoon and we're, you know, watching the the game's over, it's completed, Chiefs have won, what do you think is going to be the biggest reason why the Chiefs win this game?
2: Um, it might really be Steve Spagnuolo because, you know, if I was in the room... You, you know, and I'm not, by the way, Uh, but if I was in the room, I think one of the main points that I think this defense can accomplish is basically having two game plans. We're going to do this in the first half to try to get a lead, right? To try to get up on the Ravens by seven, 10 points, whatever it is to get up at halftime. We're going to present something slightly new that we haven't seen or that the Ravens haven't seen, I should say. And then the second half, we're going to adjust We're going to do a bunch of other wacky stuff in the second half so that they can't necessarily just counter to what you already presented. It's a very hard thing to do. Most defenses cannot do this. But the Chiefs have the defense to do it, I believe, just because of all the versatility and the fact that Chris Jones will probably get consistent pressure. Now, tackling becomes super important. And so I think if the Chiefs can be advanced from a mental standpoint on the game plan, but can just be as basic as possible, which is when we hit you, you go down um, and limit explosive plays. That'll give the Chiefs, I think, the best chance to win. Um, I know what to expect from Patrick Mahomes. Nothing will really surprise me. He will probably have another excellent performance to lead your offense to where they can get 24, 27, hell, maybe even 30 points, again, on the number one defense in the NFL. But the reason the Chiefs may go back to the Super Bowl is because, Lamar Jackson will drop back and not know what the hell he's looking at, or will not know down to down what to expect. I guess is a better way of saying that, right? You can play seven to eight different coverages because they could do that. You can blitz, you can have simulated pressures, you can drop eight, you can have spies, obviously. Um, it probably shouldn't be Leo Chanel, but hell, he might do it again. Why not? Why not? I <laughs> mean, you know, if Willie Gay's not available, hey, Trankle. tranquil Now, you're the spy linebacker and Leo Chanel is going to be a fifth down lineman coming off the edge. Like again, anything in C Spagnolo's playbook is at his disposal. And so making the entire offense have to think not just Lamar, but also his receivers too. Like if you, if the receivers don't know down to down what the picture is going to look like from the secondary, it makes them have to play less fast than they would like. Um, and of course, they are going to have to adjust on the fly with the quarterback and you're going to need both parts of those guys to um, work in concert together. It's going to be tough, um, but I do think the defense doing just enough chaoticness, um, organized chaos, I should say, uh, to get you two, three, maybe four stops in the game, that might be enough for the Chiefs to go to Baltimore, win, and people kind of you know, looking around each other and saying, how in the world did this team get to the Super Bowl, not realizing um, the Chiefs have been the better coached team in these first two postseason games, and there's obviously a chance for them to be the better Coast team on Sunday
3: as well. For much more on Spags, check out Nate's article coming out at The Athletic. Thank you,
2: Nate. All right, fellas. Thank you so much.
3: Nate Taylor of The Athletic joins us weekly here on
0: 610 Sports Radio.